Hello swimmers and welcome to Torpedo Swim Talk. Today's guest is world champion, master swimmer, lifesaver and open water swim superstar, South African Paul Blackbeard. <laughs> there you go, Mark. Hi, Paul. Hi, good morning. Thanks very much for having me on. Oh, you're very welcome. Where Where are you coming to us um, from I've today? I've been living in Perth now for probably about 12 years, so this is this is our home. Um, and, uh, you know, we were born, born in Zambia originally, but uh, most of my schooling and life in South Africa. And, uh, and then we, we traveled for business for, for about 17 years, uh, living in Sweden and London and Italy and America, and then sailed to Australia because my family was all living in Perth at the time. So uh, this is where my family is and this is where we are. So Perth is my home. <laughs> well, we're very lucky to have you in Australia. That's, that's you. wonderful. <laughs> You have a pool that is not too far from your house. Do you train with a squad there or do you train by yourself? Actually, it's quite interesting. I think I've ended up in a number of different squads. Um, I have, a, as I mentioned, a school pool not, not far from home. And I have a small group of swimmers that uh, basically I sort of coach them in the water. And we swim. Uh, and that's my, my, kind of my, my regular lunchtime, although we can only do 40 minutes at a time being a school pool. Uh, or now, like summer when school's closed, we can train, you know, a lot longer. So we've just actually this morning did a nice uh, one and a half hour session. So that's kind of my most regular session. Um, but then uh, probably twice a week, I try and get to Perth City, uh, which is my master's club. And, and they're probably uh, oh, about 10 kilometers away. So it's not that far. Um, and I swim with them. And we also do about a four kilometer session there. And Perth City is, is I call them my master's club, but they're also my, um, my open water swimming club because they really oh, focus more on open water swimming. And that's one of the reasons I, I, I swim with them. Um, and then my initial club that I joined when I first came to Perth, probably 12 years ago now, uh, was Claremont Masters, um, because they're a very strong pool swimming club. And I really like the relays and, and, and the fun with the master swimming on the relay. So, in fact, I have two masters clubs, Perth City and Claremont, uh, that I swim ah, for. okay. And then with, the, with COVID and all the issues we've had around COVID and the pool's been closed for a while, um, I got into quite a nice open water swimming group and we used to swim in the river. Um, and uh, we all enjoyed that so much. We were doing river and sea swims um, that we still uh, probably once a month at least, if not more regularly, um, get together for a, for a river swim or a sea swim. Um, so I've got a number of little groups that I, that I swim with, which of course also adds to the interest of training. You know, you, you, you're mixing with different people all the time. Yeah, that's that sounds wonderful. Which which of those groups did you do your? Um, I saw you did a hundred hundreds last week. That which was, group was, did you do that yeah, with? That, that was my Perth City um, uh, Masters group, and they they've done that for probably the last eight years now. Um, so it's become quite a big event. Although we were limited this year to forty eight, we couldn't take more than forty eight because of COVID restrictions, and the pool yes. couldn't take more. But but that's a that's a, become an annual event, and there's, uh, there's lots of music on the side and fun, and there's events afterwards, and it's it's quite a nice uh, fun challenge um, that uh, people people set for themselves anything from 150s to 175s, or in our case, we did 100 hundreds on on 130. Um, so that's that's great. In fact, this morning we had a lovely challenge in my little Wesley group. Um, we did we did 2200s this morning. Um, okay. With the first four going on three minutes, and then dropping to two fifty five for the next four, then two fifty, then two forty five, and then the last four on two forty. Um, oh, so good. that was that was a fun challenge. <laughs> <laughs> 
And if you had an afternoon, um, oh, it's actually it's a bit it's a bit earlier over there. Well, you need an afternoon sleep. Uh, I don't really sleep so well in the, during the day, but I do I do meditation and relaxation and that sort of stuff. So I would normally come back and at least do twenty minutes of that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you do you do that through um, a mind a mindful app, or you just do your own meditation? You know, because of my my swimming history and background, I suppose the the coaches ahead over the years were really good at teaching us. Um, the ability to to to, to relax and, and and kind of get the body just to just to calm down and, and recover. Um, so I've actually been really good for many years just doing it myself. Um, yes. And uh, but now recent but now recently I've started using a number of the apps because there's so many good apps as well. So one of my favourites yes. at the moment is Calm. So I use Calm quite a lot. Um, but okay. uh, but I can still do it myself really well, and I can I get myself what what I see myself going into as a pool of water. So I'm so relaxed. Breathing is a big part of it. And then I get myself so relaxed into this pool of water and just uh, just float away. It's like a float tank maybe. <laughs> Sounds lovely. Yeah, all I need is 20 minutes and it feels great. Yeah. And do you have a special spot to do that in or you no, can do normally, it anywhere? Normally just lie down. Um, so I do it lying down. I uh, can do it on the floor. I've tried these, uh, what do they call them, Sakati mats, you know, the ones with the little pricks in your back. Um, yes. And uh, every now and again, I use that. I have one of those, but I don't use it all the time. Um, so I can just do it on the floor, on the bed, or, or lie down somewhere. Oh, but actually, meditation, meditation has become a bigger part of, of many things. I did a I did a ten day vipassana course, uh, which is ten days of silent meditation, and, uh, okay. and that was a challenge. I thought I, did, I, thought, I didn't know if I would survive that, um, but uh, it's a, it's really good. Those kind of things and the power of you know. I think I think there's so much power in the mind uh, over the body, and, and the vipassana kind of just helps you build a lot of that sort of stuff. And and when you did that ten day course, was that at a retreat, or you did that through staying at home? No, it's at a retreat. No, it's at a retreat. At a retreat. Yeah, at, at a retreat, and you go away, and you only eat, uh, which is also good as well. You, you don't you don't uh, you only eat breakfast and lunch um, with a very light dinner, if, if anything. Um, and uh, and you meditating from uh, early hours of the morning um, through to sort of nine o'clock at night, and uh, but it's but it's amazing. You just get through it, and it's fantastic. And you can't talk all ten days. <laughs> wow! <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of strange when they let you start talking again because on the last day they kind of slowly ease you back into the real world. And oh, uh, okay. yeah, that's, kind of, that's kind of strange. <laughs> Wow, that's it's something to look into, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, how did you get into swimming as a youngster? Well, I started off in Zambia uh, with my my dad's one of his best friends was a boxing coach, and uh, he got me into into some boxing, and I wasn't doing particularly well with that. And he said, "Oh, let's try another sport." He says, "I used to dive at school, um, so before you you start diving, we need to learn how to swim." So the local um, pool we had was a 50 meter pool. It was fantastic in, in this little town in Luantia in Zambia. And the, the local lifeguard was the swim coach. And uh, I still use some of his drills that he taught me when he taught me to swim. Um, oh, like really? Stroke the Black Cat is one of my favorites. Yeah, it's lovely. And, and he, was, so he was a great coach. And we had, a, we had a really nice little club. And so I learned to swim in, in Zambia. Um, and uh, I never got into diving. I just carried on swimming. I loved it so much. <laughs> Yeah, that was great. I ended up actually swam for Zambia against Kenya, one of the uh, one of the age group teams. Um, okay, it was one of my 
one of my first 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 wins, and there's a lovely picture standing with this very proud with a certificate showing my dad the the result of winning this race against the Kenyans, and uh, yeah, it was good. How old were you then? And, uh, that, I started swimming when I was eight, and uh, and we left Zambia just after nine. So it was only a couple of years in Zambia. Right. Swimming. And where did you move then, to in um, South Africa? What yeah, what part of then South we Africa? Moved, then, we, then we moved down to Durban, um, right. and uh, very very quickly, um, one of my school friends, um, Peter Larue, his family had kind of sponsored this Australian coach. Um, to come to Durban, and they were looking for for swimmers, and so I was the second swimmer to join uh, Terry Gulliver, who's an Australian coach, um, who now has a still has a very successful business back here in Australia um, on the Gold Coast. Um, but he was coaching in, in South Africa, and he built a, he built a probably the most powerful swimming club in in South Africa at the time, Queens Park Swimming Club. Um, through his ability of just attracting swimmers and, and developing really good swimmers out of it. I mean, as a club, we were holding all the national records in the end and all sorts of things. It was incredible. And we had a really wow. strong swimming base. And uh, it was great. You know? And how how many times a week were you swimming back then? So obviously you started with him when you went, what, nine or ten? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I remember... Hell Week, as we used to call it, which would, uh, you know, being also Southern Hemisphere, would be in December. And Hell Week, we'd get up to 20 kilometers a week um, quite easily. Uh, 20 kilometers a session, sorry. Um, and we were doing, um, uh, yeah, we were doing 13 times a week, you know, uh, four to five hours a day. It was, we overtrained in those days. It was too much, honestly, yeah. too much. <laughs> <laughs> too much back then. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I know. But, 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 you know, we, because it was, it was a whole, bunch of friends and we all did it together and it was uh, it was good you kind of it, 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 it took over your life a bit but you enjoyed it you know, because you were with your friends uh, even us even our school holidays in between training we still stuck together you know we were all together doing all things together um, and, and, and many of those friends are still my friends now you know those are those are the friends that you build for life Yes, yeah. Those, I think those times when you you're spending that amount of time with with people swimming and training, and those grabbed conversations at the end of the pool, and um, you know all the before and after makes lifelong friends. I think that's a wonderful thing about swimming. Totally, and you know you mentioned that grab conversations. I think that's a lovely expression because one of the things I'm, I think swimming really teaches you is the ability to think about what you're going to say before you say it. Because by the time you've got that like two or three or five seconds to say something to somebody, you're quite clear about what you want to say. <laughs> and it gives them time True. to think about the answer and share it with you on the next break. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It is funny how one conversation can last for 2100s, isn't it? <laughs> totally. <laughs> but it also breaks, the, breaks if there's any monotony, it breaks that monotony. You know, you, you've got another interest happening at the same time. But that's true. It gives you a, a real goal to get to the end of the uh, repeat, doesn't it? So you can hear what the exactly. other um, the answer is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, you went on to um, obviously captain the South African swimming team in the seventies. Um, yes. How how many years were you captain of that team? I was uh, captain for five years um, in in the serving team, and, and actually uh, in that team for nine nine times. So. Sort of half half the amount of times in the seventies into early eighties, actually. 
Um, yes. And we didn't have we didn't have a lot of international competition. So when you talk about nine caps for swimming, it really was once a year we, we chose a team. Uh, there was no other competition that we were competing against because we were out the Olympics at that stage. Um, yes. And uh, so there was be one competition a year. Um, but I always remember one of one of the one of the managers wrote a lovely letter to me after one of our, our, our competitions, and he said something like, "You know, Paul, you, you've made my life an absolute pleasure. Most swimmers I come across um, don't have an interest in the other swimmers; they're so interested in their own swimming that uh, you know, I've got to sort out all the swimming issues. You took that away from me and actually made it really easy and built a perfect, built a great team. So it was a lovely kind of feedback or comment from from one of our managers." Yeah, that, that's I actually went on to manage uh, some teams myself afterwards. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and, and, and it's nice when you actually, as an ex-swimmer, go back and manage, yeah, when you manage teams afterwards um, because you, you, you know how swimmers think, you understand what they're all about, and you do a much better job than, than some of the volunteer managers that actually end up managing teams. Um, and I think you build a stronger team, and it's a pity more swimmers don't get the opportunity to go back and, uh, and manage teams um, because I think they make a bigger contribution than a then maybe some of the volunteers who maybe get a bit strict in the wrong areas and, and don't build in the right areas. Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that um, ex-swimmers know what the current swimmers are going through. So that that's a, a lovely way of, um, you know, continuing that on and, and building from the experience of the ex-swimmers, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Enjoy that. And then through, through the swimming, of course, now, because we didn't have a lot of international competition, my, uh, my, my swimming coach, and still that Australian, Terry Gulliver, said, you know, we should use this, all, this, all this time and effort you put into swimming and, and look at some other water sports. And so, in fact, I got involved with the, the life-saving and the surf life-saving through swimming um, and, uh, and it ended up getting national colours, colours for, for both of those sports as well. In fact, in my final year at school, I was, I was uh, what they called a triple springbok. So I actually had uh, national colours for all three sports in the one year. Um, and the year started with uh, the World Surf Lifesaving Championships, which were held in Durban that year. Um, right. And we had the most horrendous, horrendous surf. It was massive. Uh, in fact, the team from from Ta- uh, the team from Taiwan, uh, they didn't want to compete. They ca- they were there, and they said, "This is this is hurricane or typhoon surf conditions. We cancel competitions <laughs> in this competition." <laughs> it was horrendous. It was huge. But we uh, but but the, but the champs happened. And they ended up winning a gold medal at that champs, which was which was great. And there was a newspaper newspaper headline uh, that said something like uh, "Paul Paul fifteen wins gold, uh, missing school, wow. something like that." And oh. the, the education department got all upset because uh, you're not allowed to miss school at sixteen at under sixteen, you know. Um, and uh, they wanted me, my headmaster to expel me, but he he got to know me quite well after the years of swimming. And I'd often go to him and say, "Look, I've got this competition. Can I get time off?" And say, I can't give you time off, but come with a letter afterwards. And this international, <laughs> this international surf lifesaving championship started. Um, it was actually a, it's actually a four week program, and it started two weeks before school. I went back, and then two weeks the school was back already. And so I couldn't see him before, and just to warn him, and I knew he'd already said, you know, just bring me a letter afterwards. So I was uh, I was quite surprised when I left school because he never told me that, was, that that education department asked to expel me. Um, that right. he actually protected yeah. me. So uh, it was very nice of him when you these strict headmasters actually do more than you know sometimes. Anyway, so that was that was yes. a that was a great great event. I was I was fifteen in my matric year because I actually jumped a year at school when we came down from Zambia uh, to South Africa. Ah, okay. Education standards were better, 
and then right. um, and then we had uh, we had the swimming um, uh, international competition in March, and then I had the um, stillwater pool life saving in Barcelona in September, um, and I actually oh, broke okay. the world record at that event for life saving, and that was and that was all in my final year of school. And I can tell people many I've told many people since then. Probably not recommended to go three international teams in, the, in your final year of school because you don't no, get the results no. as you was expected. I still passed everything, but not. That's it. <laughs> but anyway, what um, yeah, with the, need to the, the on school, school, you do need to concentrate on school. But I, I, I also think that having that sort of focus in swimming or any sport really helps you with your studies anyway because it makes you much better at time management. Oh, you're totally right about it. And also the other part of it is that your mind gets a chance to sort things out. You know, the, the only year I'd, I've never swum was when I was doing my MBA. I just thought I'm just too busy. I've got too much happening. There's no way I've got time to train. And I regret that because I think that I didn't give myself that, that I call it my library time or my filing time, when things get sorted out in your mind without you consciously thinking about it. Uh, and that's what swimming yes. allows me to do. You know, I, I solve problems, things get clear in my head without even consciously working on it. Yes. And uh, so, no, yeah. I, highly, I highly agree with you. It's uh, important to keep the training up. Yes. And I think these days a lot of our, a lot of kids get to year 11 and 12 and, and do put their sport at the side. And I, I, I hate to see that. I like them to um, continue on with that. I'm, I'm a PE teacher by profession, so I'm always, always – encouraging my students to continue playing sport even it doesn't have to be competition but even just for um keeping your mental health and fitness as well with your study because i just find that those students do much better with their results yeah totally and and even even when you get into work life find that find that time because you need to make that time for one one your health's really important and I think if you can look after your health uh, through some sort of activity, it's really good. But secondly, going back to that mental time, I think you need to have that mental time that swimming gives you, where it's a break from from the um, from the thinking about things. It's just subconsciously working with a whole lot of stuff. Yes. And I solve yes, problems. I, I can't believe the number of problems I've solved while I'm swimming. I come back and I go, I wasn't consciously thinking to solve that problem. And I come back and I know clearly where I'm going with something. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get into um, open water swimming, like the longer distances? I know you've done the surf life saving and the pool life saving, um, but yeah. you, I I know you've done um, four Rottnest Island crossings. How did you get into yeah, that? It was part of moving back to well, moving to Perth, and, and and I thought you know I call myself a swimmer, and everybody in Perth does this open water swim to to Rottnest Island, which is about twenty kilometres, just under twenty kilometres from on the beach to an island. And I thought, you know, if I'm, if I'm calling myself a swimmer, I have to, and I live in Perth, I have to do the swim at least once. But right. the furthest I'd ever swum in an open water swim at that stage was, a, was we used to have something called the Mainstay Swim, which was a three and a half K surf swim. Um, that was right. the furthest I'd ever swum in an open water swim. So, so to go from three and a half K open water to 20 K was a big jump. And, yes. uh, yeah. and uh, I, I found uh, um, Shelley Taylor-Smith, who happened to be at that stage, she'd moved back to Perth and living in Perth, and she was coaching open water swimmers. Now, for okay. those who don't know Shelley Taylor-Smith, she's, she's amazing. She's like one of the, you know, the, the real uh, goddesses of open water swimming. Uh, and yeah, she, she was definitely one of the pioneers, wasn't oh, she? And she got so much experience. And, 
And she just taught us, taught the squad, taught me, um, so much about how to work with an open water swim and how to think about it. And, 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 I, and as I mentioned before, I think the mental part is as big as the physical part. And, and yes. she helped us a lot with that. So by the time I actually got to do my first uh, open water swim, um, I was, uh, yeah, I knew, I knew what to expect. I was feeling quite comfortable with it. And uh, it, uh, it worked out the way I'd visualized it. Um, I use a lot of visualization as well whenever I'm, I'm doing things. And, uh, and, it, and it all worked out. And I think uh, so Shelley was the, was the instigator. And, and that was uh, yeah, probably 10 years ago now, my first one. Um, yes. and, uh, and since then, open water swimming in, in WA in Western Australia has just grown. I mean, our swims now, we have over a 1,000 people coming to these uh, open water swims on the weekend. And it's just amazing. It's fantastic to see. Um, so you have all these people, you know, young pool swimmers who, who and, and older swimmers who are coming back into it. Um, because I think one of the nice things about open water swimming is you can do it early in the morning. By 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, you've finished, and you've done a really nice exercise. And you've got the rest of the day ahead of you. you know, one of the problems with, with pool swimming quite often is you end up spending a whole day there. Um, so this open water swimming has become quite attractive for a lot of people. It's also it's outdoors, which is just beautiful. I mean, our coast that we swim along, uh, you know, you're always seeing fish or something in the water, starfish on the bottom, um, little, little rays. Um, the water's really crystal clear, so you've got a lovely visual. Um, uh, and, and the coasts are interesting to swim along and nice people. And so I've, been, I've really been loving the open water swimming. Yeah, I think I've done five solos now to Rotnest, five of these 20 Ks, oh, but I'm, sorry, I'm also enjoying the, the duo. Yes. Five, yeah. And I've done four, four duos. Um, which is which is quite yes. a nice event because you actually split that race with two, with somebody else. Um, yes. And and for me it ends up being a lot of four hundreds and I quite enjoy four hundreds nowadays. So I'm probably enjoying duos more than the solo. <laughs> and that's what I'm doing this year is another duo. Another uh, duo. With, with actually a pool. Yeah, I'm doing that with a with a with a guy who's more of a pool swimmer than an open water swimmer. And uh, he's the guy I trained with this morning. We did we did the twenty two hundreds. And every turn we do, he's, he's 30, 31. Um, he leaves me half a body length behind on his turns. So we have to, <laughs> have to work hard. <laughs> oh, so when you do, when yeah, you do it good. as a duo, when, when you do it as a duo, um, you, you just swim for 400 metres and then swap over, do you? But, but it starts on off a little bit longer. Like a, sort of, but like a warm-up. A little bit longer. Yep, yep. So the first yep. – in the beginning, you might start off, you know, doing every 1,500 meters, 800 meters, but then quite quickly, the majority of the race is 400s, and then towards the end, we might okay. start doing 200s or something. Um, the, the end of the race right. is always quite hard. One, because physically you're tired, but two, you start getting more of a current, often more of a current against you, and the wind might have picked up. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a you, you you have to work a little harder. One of the things Shelley taught us in the, in the first uh, first time I started training with her was. She said it's all about the last 5Ks, the race. You know, everything's right. about the last 5Ks. And she's so right. You, know, you, you swim the race knowing that you've got to be at your best when you get to that last 5Ks. That's very true. I, I was just trying to visualise with when you swim 400 and your partner is on the boat, on the, um, they jump in and then you jump out for 400. Is that how it works? That's right, yeah. yeah. So we're changing about every five minutes. Um, we have a timer on the boat who just says five minutes, and so you get ready. You dive off the front of the boat. Um, they, that, the person who's still swimming comes up to you, hand above the water, uh, quick touch, 
um, and then okay. you sprint off. Um, in fact, the one year I won the, the overall duo with a water polo swimmer. Um, she was a Hungarian um, a water polo swimmer. And uh, you know how water polo people can turn in the middle of the, of, the, of, the, of the game from one side to the other. So when we did this touch, she'd be facing me for the touch, and she was gone. It was like amazing. She, I've never seen anybody turn as fast as she So Georgina, was, it, was, it was the taker. And it's like anything. You know, those, those takeovers can make the difference. And she was saving seconds because she was so fast at changing her direction from one to the other. Wow. And, uh, yeah, we won the overall duo that year. So that, that was quite nice as a mixed team. Oh, that's nice. That's a really great accomplishment. Yeah. And have you, you – I know you've, you've um, been in the top three in the solo. Um, have you got any sort of thoughts that you might do another solo crossing in the next few years or on to no, the duos? I've, I've picked up a pattern. I seem to do it every three years, um, and it's not intentional. It's just that the first year I finished it, when I finished it, I say, I'm not doing it again. That's it. Finished. Right. <laughs> Second year, you're thinking, no, I'm still not doing it. But by the third year, you're going, oh, maybe. <laughs> and everybody's training, and so you go, okay. <laughs> so it seems to be every three years. So, uh, but that holds true. It might be 2023. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about your master swimming. Um, obviously, FENA top 10 and first in the world. Um, in the 4, 8 and 1500 in 2019. Did you go to the Guangzhou Championships? No, I didn't. I was, oh, I was, I was yeah. going to go. It was, it, was, it was being planned and then I think things just got really busy and decided, decided not to travel. At I've actually done, I think I've been, to, um, I've been to Rio, one of the early ones in the Masters, Montreal. I've done the one in, uh, in Italy, uh, the one in Sheffield in the UK and, of course, the one in Perth. So I've done a number of them, but I haven't. Uh, I didn't do last year's. No. Yeah. What What's been your most memorable um, FINA World Champs? Montreal, probably, because uh, I got to swim against Jim Montgomery, and if I'd gone to the oh, Olympics, wow. if I'd gone to the Olympics, he would have been my year, and we would have raced each other. And uh, wow. and, and uh, unfortunately, he beat me in Montreal. <laughs> but only <laughs> but only just, and I have beaten him since because we have swum against each other since. <laughs> <laughs> But, what what uh, race was that in? Uh, that was the hundred and the two hundred freestyle. We swam, we swam against each other. But it was the hundred was the was the one we were racing particularly. Yeah, yes. yeah. I used to be I used oh. to be in my sp- I used to be a sprinter in my, in my swimming career. So it's, it's quite yes. strange for me to have grown into open water distance swimming. Um, it's a, yeah, it's, it's maybe it's, my, my, my strokes changed with it. You know, you swim a different stroke now. I don't swim. Uh, uh, with a six-speed kick anymore, I kind of just float my legs at the back with a little light kick to make sure they're not dropping. Um, yes. Yeah, you have a different stroke, not as high elbow. Yeah. Yep. Do you um do you swim any other strokes um, you that you race or? Um, well, I, I used to be uh, 400 IM. I was actually ranked 14th in the world in the in, in just when I was uh, what 16, 17 years old in the world in the world oh. times. So, so I am, but, but breaststroke was always my weakest stroke. Um, I, have a, I have a really, really good butterfly and freestyle. Backstroke's not bad. Um, I've won, I've won titles in backstroke, but I've, uh, but breaststroke was a disaster. So, some of, <laughs> some of my medley swims when I used to race them, they were the most exciting swims I was swimming against a breaststroker, because I'd be well ahead after the backstroke, 
the breaststroke would come past me in the breaststroke <laughs> and then I'd race past him in the freestyle again. So it makes a, makes a medley a really interesting race when you see that happening. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So I know when, when you go to Athena World Championships, you can pick five races in the pool, obviously. So are you you do the, the four and the 800 because we don't have the 1500. What, well, what are your other three races that you pick now? Yeah. yeah. You know, if I go back to my, my, my pool swimming days when I was younger, it was always the 100 and 200 freestyle, 100 and 200 butterfly, and then maybe the 200 medley. Those would be my five events that I'd concentrate on. Uh, but as I mentioned, right. I've kind of moved longer and longer now. So as much as I enjoy doing 50s, I wouldn't race those. I would race the 100 or probably no. do the 200 and the 400 freestyle now. Uh, yes. And the 100, 100, 100 butterfly, not so sure about the 200 butterfly anymore. I'm not so <laughs> sure about the 200 IM anymore. So I'll probably do the 800 freestyle, which I would, when I was a young swimmer, I would never do an 800 freestyle. That was far too far. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> I was the same. I was a sprinter when I was younger, um, 100 and 200 backstroke and 50-50 backstroke as well. But, yeah, I can't, I can't sprint anymore. And I think as you get older, your fast twitch fibres sort of start diminishing. It's a lot harder to uh, to go as fast as you did. Although it's interesting, though, the muscle memory is still there for it because one of the things I did this winter with our little, our little group at Wesley that I trained with, is we used we did a um, uh, uh, what's it called ultra ultra high ultra high intensity sprint program, and it was a four, oh, okay. four week a four week program that we did, and it was just sprints yeah. through the winter, and it was just because I thought let's see if we can get our sprinting up, and it made a big difference. I got I was swimming under freestyle under a minute again, you know, and I'm now oh, sixty three okay. next month, um, and it's uh, it was so so it does make you can actually with a bit of effort. Um, get your sprints back up again, um, but they quite quickly they quick, quickly drop off if you don't keep it up. <laughs> yeah, what what kind of um, yeah. sets yeah. did you do for for that sprinting? Oh, they were they were they were short sets. They weren't big sets, uh, and it would be long rests, fifties um, and twenty fives, um, that kind of stuff, and and kicking into kicking into full stroke those things. Uh, some of the some of the fartlek ones, you know, where you hold your breath. And then sprint the, the next twenty five meters, those kind of things. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. I know a lot of people during this COVID time have sort of um, decided that they weren't going to swim as much as they had been, and that they were going to change their training. And I, I think that what you've just mentioned then is going to be sort of, you know, a lot more master swimmers are going to be looking at those kind of training methods to um, to move forward with their yeah, swimming yeah. rather than just get, getting in and sort of. Flogging, slogging through, you know, three, four, five k sets. And it makes it so much more interesting, you know. You start seeing things differently, and you and you and you try different things again. And for me, part of it was getting my kick back again because, you know, as I said, I dropped my six weeks, so I got that back in again. And we're doing a lot more kick sets, which I hate kicking nowadays, but we force ourselves to do yeah. that. And, uh, and there's some really interesting kick sets you can do nowadays. So, yeah, and putting flippers on, we did a lot of stuff with flippers and paddles. We were swimming with flippers and paddles. Uh, during some of those things, which I'd never done before, and that was that was good. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I wanted to ask you um, another thing that I found out about you. You were named in the top fifty greatest watermen of all time. What is a waterman? <laughs> I was, to be honest, I was so surprised to find out that myself. They never told me that. I just. It, it was actually one of the one of the other duos I did for Rotnest. 
Um, I had a, a the youngest you can swim to Rottnest is 14 years old. And uh, this young oh, kid that uh, um, I'd met through swimming was, was showing interest and wanted to do a Rottnest swim. So I said, well, I'll do a duo with you to kind of show you, you know, what teach you what it's all about and sh- show you the whole thing. And uh, so, and, and he's, a, he's a young kid from Malaysia. Um, and uh, um, he's, he's actually ended up representing Australia in, uh, in uh, duathlon. So that's the running and swimming events. Um, so he's, okay. he's turned out to be a really good athlete. But he, was, but he was 14 at the time. And his dad, in researching me, because, you know, who's this person going to take my son across to Rockness Island, <laughs> came across this article that I was one of the, <laughs> the greatest watermen. He says, did you know this? I didn't know. Or no, he said to me, I didn't know this. I said, well, I didn't know this. <laughs> so right. um, it was rather nice to, be, to see myself. But uh, Wowza, the, um, I think it's the World Open Water Swimming Association, um, they talk about a waterman being named by your peers and, and other marine sport community people as uh, as an all-round uh, waterman. So it's not just about being a swimmer or a lifesaver or a surfer, but it's, you know, maybe because of my sailing and all those kind of things. It was the whole exposure to water and understanding. You know, I've done a lot of uh, lifeguarding on the beach as well. Um, they also want you to be, be, be you know, sort of seen as a humble, fun-loving person. So there's some criteria they've got to kind of think about what is a waterman. So it's not just about being a, a top athlete, I think, um, um, but they uh, but they've listed some amazing people on that list. I, was, I felt very humbled and honoured to be, you know, Johnny Wiseman is in there, a number of, uh, of really great uh, Australians in there, Carhurst and Lord Byron and Captain Webb, and uh, so there's uh, there's names you kind of go, wow, how did I get into the list of the top fifty? So wow. uh, I was really, yeah. very amazed. So they've got a, it's, it's oh. quite a nice international list. There's people from all over the world in it, and. Uh, yeah, very honoured to be part of that list. Well, that's a wonderful accolade. Yes. Are you still um, patrolling as a, a current sort of surf lifesaver at the moment? Oh, yeah, I still I still do my annual um, um, qualification um, because you need that if you want to compete in competitions. But I have, I've been an honorary life member of my own surf club in, in South Africa um, for um, oh, many years now because I did about 20 years of lifesaving duty with them. Um, and in the days when we when we used to do surf lifesaving duty, it used to be Saturday afternoon and all day Sunday, every six weeks. And wow. when, when I look at the kids nowadays, they sign on and they can sign on for two hours, and I think it's uh, it's, it's eighteen hours a year or something. That's all you have to do. I go, we're getting soft. <laughs> 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 but I understand it because everybody's got a very busy life. But you know, we were we, so, so yes, I, I, I've done some life saving here in Australia as well because when they when they recognise my my experience, my qualification, they said, but you still need to you know kind of just understand our systems as well. So I signed on the beach, and we sailed. In fact, from uh, from South Africa to Australia and ended up on the East Coast um, for a while. And so while we were in, on the Gold Coast, I joined Northcliffe Life Saving. And so it was through them okay. I, I, um, I started doing work on, the, work on the beach with them and life saving with them. And I still compete for Northcliffe because they're a great club. And, again, I, I love teams and they've got some really nice strong teams. And, and so I've done most of my competitions through Northcliffe, even though I now live in Perth. Oh, right. So, do you just catch up with them at, at like a national championships or something? At, 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 at the Aussies, yeah, the national Aussies uh, Masters. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also in, in oh. the, we did the world. We had the world last day champs in in um, in Adelaide a few years back, and so uh, I competed there. In fact, also I was world champion in the Masters for that as well. 
absolutely wonderful successes you've had. Um, do you still do the pool lifesaving championships as well or um, just the surf and the still water swimming? No, no, I still do the pool as well. In fact, uh, at the beginning of last year, um, I think it was February, March time, um, I ended up breaking the world record for the 100 metres obstacle race uh, in my age group. Um, so that was, that was quite nice because that was the – in, in, when you get over 60, you only have to do 100 metres, not 200 metres. But it was the 200 metre obstacle right. race was the one that I broke the open record in, in Barcelona uh, back in 1974. Um, so it was quite oh, nice okay. to come back and, and break it again in the Masters. <laughs> what, what's involved in an obstacle race? Obstacle races, are, they put two lanes um, across the pool, across the 50 metre pool, a metre apart, um, and then it goes down. Um, nearly a meter in terms of a barrier, so you have to swim up to this barrier, dive underneath it, come back up again, and swim. It's uh, it's, it's like a sort of a, a dive rescue. So you're doing this uh, sprint under the barrier, sprint under the barrier, turn, and then you repeat that four times if it's a 400 meter race. Um, wow! Okay. And of course, in, in in the days, it's quite interesting when I look at how swimming's evolved and how that's affected things like the lifesaving events. Because when I broke that world record in, in Barcelona, we would dive under the barrier and do a breaststroke pull and then come back up again. And now that we've got this right. fifth stroke in swimming, you know, this, uh, this basically this golf and kick, which is just such a big part of swimming, uh, coming off the walls or off the starts, um, yeah, you just dive and you just golf and kick and you're so much faster. Um, and it's just, yes. uh, that's also made a difference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing and just yeah. just with your sailing i know you've mentioned a few times that you sailed from south africa to australia how long did that take well we weren't we weren't racing i used to race sailing um so this was more my wife and myself and then we had friends come and join us so we were we were just sailing when the weather was good and we sailed up to the caribbean um spent some time in the caribbean my son and his uh, his friend who were on uh, the gap year joined us for a while there and then other friends came in and then we went off through the Panama Canal down to the Galapagos and then sailed across the Pacific, uh, spending time on all the islands. So we were probably gone about just over two years um, doing that right. trip. Um, but the, but the, the, the diesel cost of actually from Cape Town to, uh, to Australia um, was about $1,000. So honestly, we sailed all the time. It was very little. The motion, the diesel was really in and out ports and, and that sort of thing. Um, okay. it's just beautiful it's just lovely lovely conditions because we could we could look at the weather and go yep that looks fine we'll we'll we'll, we'll sell this week or we won't sell we'll just stay in port for a while so we had a lovely time that sounds very nice did you hit any um rough weather though when you were out there I don't think so. My wife would say sometimes yes. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but no, I think we were fine. Actually, the, the, the section from Galapagos to Tahiti was our longest uh, area, time with no land, no land. That was 21 days. And that was probably the only time I was nervous because I thought, again, I call myself a swimmer, but there's no way I can swim for 21 days sailing time, you know, no. if, if something happens. And um, I was, and, and your weather forecasts, you can get 10-day forecasts, but they're only really accurate up to sort of six or seven days. So 21 days, you had no idea what the weather was going to be like. Um, and so we had this big, uh, like a parachute, um, not a drogue that you put out the back of the boat, but this one you actually deployed in the front of the yacht. And according, okay. to, according to the advert, it would hold all the water and it would be like a sea anchor. Um, and it would just lock you in position. And, and according to the advert, you just go downstairs 
and let the storm blow over your head. <laughs> Thank goodness we, we never had to use it. We did practice with oh, that's it. Good. <laughs> but 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 we but we did actually have to take avoiding action on the on the nineteenth day. We always had somebody on watch. And on the nineteenth day oh. it was about four o'clock in the morning. And this uh, Russian trawler was on the same heading as us. And we called them up and said we're a yacht, you know, and they should give way to us. And they didn't respond. We had yes. to take avoiding action. Otherwise, we would have gone head on with this Russian trawler. Wow. Wow. Yeah. But no, it's a lovely experiences and stories there. Yeah, it sounds like it. Do you, do you still sail today over in Perth? Uh, a little bit, but not very much, no. Yeah, it's, um, it is a well-known spot over there with um, – the, uh, all of the America's Cup um, boats and things as well. Were you ever sort of involved with any of those? No, they were all Priyas arriving in Perth, unfortunately. Oh, were they? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I'd love to have been a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It was a very yeah. exciting time in Australia when we won the um, America's Cup. Fantastic. <laughs> but the new boats that they're racing with nowadays are so fast. Wow. They fall. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I had, a, I had a catamaran, yeah. which was which was quite a nice boat because it gave us also that speed, um, but uh, not as fast as the new boats. Yes, and have you actually have you seen those? Um, I've just been down at the beach over the last few weeks and noticed that a lot of um, people are surfing on these little tiny surfboards, but with a huge um, huh. that's, that's, uh, that's, yes, that's underneath. They're hard to fall on the sail. Yes, I know we've seen they've got yes, them further that's unbelievable. It's fantastic, and I think it's, it seems much safer than the the windsurfers and the and the kite surfers because they seem to have a bit more control, even though they're going as fast as yes. they're going. They go so fast. I'm I couldn't really believe good. how fast they were going. Yeah, yeah. and they, they pump them up and down yeah. as they're um, going along. Yeah, really good to see. Exactly. I always like yeah. to um to finish off the podcast asking, um, and we have talked about this as well. What your favourite all time training set is for swimming. I know you've mentioned some of them, but do you have a have a favourite that you um, always would like to go back to? Probably nowadays, two hundreds are probably my favourite distance to train because it's 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 not quite a sprint and you get the endurance up. So, so not this twenty two hundreds we did this morning, but you know, yeah. just six six or eight two hundreds at a time going every three minutes as a core set. I quite enjoy that. Um, it just gets enough cardiovascular stuff up. You feel good afterwards. Um, um, so yeah, I, I would probably I would probably vote for a, for a you know, six or eight two hundreds freestyle as a as a core set. Yeah, as a core set. I mean, to be honest, the distance I like training nowadays as well is, is anywhere between two and three thousand meters. You know, we're currently doing four or five a session, and and it's it's you, you feel tired from that. That's hard work. I prefer the two to three k, yes. <laughs> four to five, four, four <laughs> to five times a week at most. You know. Yeah, I think that's that's a nice way to go. But I suppose you you have to up it up a little bit with the um, rot nest crossing coming up. Yeah. Yeah. So w- you, would you be doing sort of four or five sessions of the four to five k a week? Exactly. For that? That, exactly. That's during yep. December. That's what we've been doing. Yep. And when is that race scheduled for? If it goes ahead, is that February? Yeah. No, I think it's definitely going ahead, and it's the day after my birthday, so it's the twentieth of February. Oh, happy birthday for February! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And then we have another one a month later, or just over a month later, which is the Port to Pub. And I've actually in a, I'm in a in a six man team for that one, and it's a it's a fast racing team. So that'll be that'll be quite a different uh, way to do the crossing. 
Whereas six man team probably changing that- every hundred meters, hundred and fifty meters. Ah, uh, okay. Is that still going from? Uh, is that still going over to Rottnest? That still goes to Rottnest as well. Yeah. Oh, okay. To Papua. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it starts from a slightly different beach and finishes yep. a slightly different spot. Um, it's probably it's probably a more relaxed event. Uh, where's the port? The um, the Rottnest swim is probably the more um, um, uh, serious event in terms of performance and swimming. Um, the port to pub is more fun. And in fact, I think it started out originally for people who couldn't get into the Rottnest or didn't think they could make it. They could do port to pub with flippers on or things like that. It's not that, oh, anymore, okay. but that's how it kind of started. It was a more fun event. Yes. Okay. Oh, wonderful! Yeah. Thank you so much. Paul, for um, sharing all your insights into swimming today with us and um, all your successes. It's been um, a pleasure talking to you and I'm really, really grateful that you came on the podcast and um, wishing you every success with your swimming moving forward and especially with your Rottnest Crossing in a few weeks. Thank, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, one of the things I'm getting out of my swimming now is I'm enjoying more and more is mentoring and working with those swimmers so to have opportunity to do this kind of thing as well. I love it. So uh, thanks for having yeah. me around. Appreciate it. Good luck oh, and good luck, good luck with the podcast. I think it's a it's a great thing. Thank you very much, Paul. Okay, take care. Thanks then. Bye. Okay, bye. Thank you, Thank you for listening in today. We hope you're enjoying our podcast here at Torpedo Swim Talk. Don't forget to subscribe at Apple or Spotify so you never miss an episode. Like, rate, share, and spread the word. Till next time. Goodbye and happy swimming.